My goodness, what a lovely conversation. There are sometimes excellent, excellent uh, things that come from social media connections. I have Insta friends who are now friends in real life. And this guest today, we were connected before, but we reached out and had a conversation over a post that she made on LinkedIn recently, which talked about the very real impact of trying to harmonize a career with children. Um, But that's not the whole of our conversation. We talk about her journey, about what she's learned along the way, and um, it's a really, really beautiful, uplifting conversation. I hope you enjoy it. Hello, hello, and welcome to From Inside the Hive with me, Jane Galloway from Quiet the Hive. I am joined today by a lovely guest who illustrates to me and what we were talking about before we press record actually the power of social media when it's used for good and how you can make a connection with someone through a post or something that grabs your attention and that's exactly um, what Katie Walton and I have done over the past couple of weeks and so I am delighted that she is here today. Katie is um, a mum, a PR guru, I'm going to call you, Katie, and balances um, the PR work with energy work and parenting. And she's here today and I'm delighted. Hi, Katie. How are you? Hello, I'm very well. Thank you very much, Jane, my new friend in real life across the screens from social media, which I love. Love it. It's brilliant. It's good when a plan comes together. Um, Katie, tell us a little bit about who you are and what lights you up. So I'm 42 and I've got four children, two sets of twins, aged 13 and seven, and they're all boys. So coffee is amazing. <laughs> coffee lights you it up. Lights me up and makes me feel alive. Um, but outside of that, I feel most alive in the pauses in between all the doing and all the busy. Um, so I feel like I'm in my flow and living a kind of life that feels in alignment when I'm barefoot around a fire with a group of people who are just present with their humanness rather than their aspirations or their titles. Um, So I think it's when life slows down, actually, and maybe that's because it it rarely does (laughs) with four children and all the coffee and all that has to be done between morning and night. Um, But yeah, it's actually the, the spaces in between I love that I love that the thought of the space in between the busyness it's something that we rarely look out for and value so much when it occurs but perhaps don't take enough time to think about Mm. yeah so we're two sets of twins four boys I've got two boys and I find that exhausting enough how how do you function apart from coffee is it (laughs) is it um a bundle of energy in your house yeah I think the the sort of most succinct way I can communicate or convey what life is like is the chaos is only matched by the amount of love so it's an incredibly messy um you know sort of impromptu muddle um but we're all kind of 
looking in, in the same direction. So, I mean, and also the, the smell of trainers at the minute is <laughs> it's quite, I mean, if, if you really want to know what life's like with four, with four boys, <laughs> it's quite stinky. <laughs> yes, my, mine are 11 and 12 and I'm just getting to the smelly feet stage and the sort of slight teenage odour that seems to follow them around. I, I now have to, my oldest one, I now have to remind to shower every so often before he just, uh, yes becomes a little too highly scented <laughs> the smell of lynx africa is strong <laughs> oh my goodness yes we have lots of links in our house i quite like it though it reminds me of being a child well not a child but a sort of teenager young to mid-teens when all the boys at school used to spritz themselves liberally with it it's um Maybe, yeah. we should wear charlie red again you know or, or, or the body yeah. shop jubilee was it jubilee from the body Jubri, shop? yes and white musk i didn't like white musk but do you know what i smelt recently so I, I went to France with my love and um, stopped in the duty free and, and sniffed the perfumes and things. And there was a nay, a nay. Do you remember that? And the little white bottle, with, <laughs> it still exists. It's still there. Oh my gosh. I thought that was the most glamorous thing. I had a French exchange student who came and stayed with me. She was lovely. And she wore that. And I thought it was the most glamorous thing you could possibly wear. That's the height of sophistication. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Times have changed since then. And, and Katie talking about children and chaos and love and and fun and bundles and balance um the reason we connected was a post you put recently on linkedin um and that was i think i think we were already connected on linkedin but that was the thing that started the conversation um because you well why don't you tell us a little bit about what had happened in your words but it was certainly something that spoke to me both in my Ex capacity of head of flexible working, but certainly knowing what it feels like to have to balance the thing you love with the people you love. Yeah, so I think there were two, I'd done two slightly I don't know if they were ranty posts or honest shares, but I thought long and hard about whether to put those up. Um, I think the first one I posted was when I was looking for a job, and during the interview. Um, which was a PR contract, I was told that there were women half my age queuing up to be paid half what I was asking for. Mm. Now, I kind of, I knew then I didn't want to take that job because that was not the right foundation for respect yeah. or value, you know, the culture, you know, there couldn't have been more red flags around yeah. that really. Um, and I think, and then the second post was a few months into a contract, which I had taken and was doing, and I couldn't make a physical event because mm -hmm. of childcare issues. So my husband and I um, juggle and share childcare. We've got four boys. My husband is stepfather to my eldest twins, and obviously mm -hmm. we, we have twins as well. So um, he's the primary he earns more than I do his yeah. career has not been interrupted by pregnancies or maternity leave and but he supports me working and he does as many school runs as I do and I'm not in a household where you know I think some of the response when I grumble about childcare impacting my career is oh can't your husband do it and it's mm. he does he does an awful lot um he does as much as he can but ultimately when push comes to shove 
he he earns more than I do. He pays for the mortgage and we need a supplementary income. But without his, you know, we, we would think. So yeah. if there is a clash of deadlines and pressure, he, he pulls rank, not because he's being emotionally unfair, because that it's just that's the reality of, of us both trying our best. Mm. Um, and so on this occasion, I recognized it was going to, you know, not be good news to, to my employer. And I apologized and, and basically was fired on the spot, um, which <laughs> which wasn't great for lots of reasons. But I think I sat with that real sense of pity, if I'm honest, mm -hmm. thinking this isn't fair, you know, I, but also the bigger picture. And I think, again, where social media has been very helpful is Oh, slight pause, lost you momentarily. Um, Am I back? It's you are back. That's all right. That this is what keeps the podcast real is little blips and pauses and bits in between. So let's crack on and see how we go. So I think, yeah, I, I shared that because I knew that actually, although those situations both felt personal to me, they weren't, they were very common to lots of women. So I think I was seeking to not feel so alone, but also yeah. seeking to reassure other women that they were not alone either. And that those circumstances were circumstantial not personal and and they were unfair uh so i think it was you know maybe it was a um sisterhood or just joining the conversation i've taken so much from the bravery of other women really trailblazing you know making themselves unpopular by calling out a lot of things yeah. and i wanted to i suppose add my voice to those conversations because progress has been made um but I think you know we've still got a long way to go and then I was so grateful for for your response and you know the encouragement and support of of other women as well because it is a reminder I think so often women are made to feel like we're broken or failing or struggling yeah. and when you have these conversations you realize you know we can't succeed <laughs> it's the systems that, that are failing us so yeah, yeah that, that was that climate of disappointment but then connection there's a really interesting I don't know whether you've seen it but on um I follow Christine Armstrong who wrote a book called the mother of all jobs she talks a lot about uh flexibility for for working and she was recently on a panel um where the uh an, a, a co a ex-co-founder I think it was of Albright the Albright Club was saying how homeworking is just really bad for women and how um actually that flexibility of where you work is really damaging women because the expectation is that men are going back to the office and women are working from home which means they are picking up more domestic responsibility than ever before etc now i think christine armstrong's point is really interesting that actually there there isn't a difference in the amount of men and women who are taking up hybrid working or remote working um and actually it's it's fundamentally about the system it's about the fact that childcare is like just bankruptingly expensive it's about the fact that the the system doesn't exist to make it easy for men and women equally to be in the workplace and although women 
so interestingly, she was sharing some research about women coming, coming uh, more women working full time than ever before, where what I'd heard was that women were leaving the workforce in droves. And I think that's a really interesting dynamic at the moment. But that that thing about how difficult it is to make the decisions. And even when you are parenting in a very equal way, you work it out for yourselves. You're both doing as much as you can. Um it never is an easy job, especially when you're put in the position of someone needs to look after the children. Someone needs to do it, right? Could have been you, could have been your husband. It was you. And the results of that, the results of you making that impossible choice led to you losing that role. And it is just, it's flabbergasting. It really is. I think it's the contradiction in the expectation that we have to work like we don't have children and have children like we don't need to work it's there's no it it it's impossible and actually if you just look at the facts the numbers let alone the emotional conflict where you can only succeed in one role by being absent in the other yeah it's it's excruciating and it's i mean it's just bizarre that of all of the progress we make uh, you know and all of the narratives around family and the I don't know it just we're very broken as a society and I think it comes down to values and there's mm. a a lot of contradictions in language at the moment for example sustainability and a consumer lifestyle yeah I, I think you cannot have a sustainable you know as long as we're buying things that we don't need in terms mm. of connection to the planet you know I I don't know we just seem to have lost our way and I think we yeah I don't know I think there's a lot of things that are uncomfortable politically environmentally I think there's a lot of systems that are unraveling and that change is uncomfortable but it's most uncomfortable for the people who don't want it to change yeah yeah absolutely absolutely and we tend to have a we tend to have a tendency to fall back on the way we've always done things. So I, I remember being in a role where we were appointing internally to a, I think it was a promotion. And one of the people we were interviewing was on maternity leave. And she was really struggling to be able to attend the interview. And so I remember saying, well, why doesn't she just bring the baby with her? We can give her more time for the interview but then she, at least she can come, you know, we can, e- even if she says no to that offer to the, that bring your baby with you, at least we are doing everything we can to show her that we want her to attend and that we're giving her those opportunities. And it was really hard. The conversations we had, well, it won't be fair on her because the baby will interrupt the interview and, and she will be at a disadvantage because of that. It's like, well, let's make, let's let her make that decision about what feels right for her to do um ultimately we did appoint her but it's just really interesting to try and think outside of the box and then persuade other people that yes it's okay to do things differently it is okay to think about how do we make it easier to get people in the workforce how do we make it easier for people to juggle a work-life harmony I don't think you can ever find a balance I don't particularly like the word balance because it implies you'll always have 50 50 for each and you don't but you have to go with the flow of it and you have to make it easier for people I think it's really interesting. I want, I want to go on. Sorry, go on. I imagine what was very empowering for, for the women in that scenario was that you were 
inviting visibility and transparency of her life she wasn't having to compartmentalize her identity or yeah. all the things she was juggling and there's this you know social media you sort of you're allowed to have um elements of your you've, you've almost got different identities on each of your social platforms you have to be a bit more grown up on LinkedIn and you have to be you know maybe a bit more stylish on Instagram but <laughs> actually I think if we all went for authenticity uh, and visibility and transparency that I think maybe that would bring more trust into it and more safety for, for people in, in the sense that women won't, and I'm aware of the mother, parent, female bias on things, and I know it's more mm. nuanced than that, but I think it's this, the feeling that you have to hide parts of yourself in order to show up fully in an area that people are looking for you to be mm. you know, a curated version of yourself. And I feel that always leads to a, a tension of insincerity somehow, mm. um, which isn't a very solid foundation for for anything. Yeah, absolutely. It's a, it's a real, it's a really carefully balanced battle. And there are people who do it so well. And I think sometimes they're so brave for doing that, but it gives permission to other people, I think, as well. And um, I wanted to take you back to the other um piece that you wrote on LinkedIn and I'm going to read it out because I I loved it when I was having a look back on other things that you'd written because I suddenly thought I like the cut of her jib um there was a uh, something that you wrote and it said and this pertains to the other story you were sharing which is I'm 42 years old to the company owner who told me he had women half my age queuing up to work for half of what I was asking thank you for reminding me that as well as two decades of experience in all things word and brand I have also grown enough to know my self-worth. And I thought that was so brilliant to, to say, to say thank you to that experience for a start. There may be a modicum of sarcasm in there, but there was definitely that, that gratitude for reminding you, actually, I do know my worth. And it you said earlier that you, you know, you decided you weren't interested in that role actually given that response and I think that's right isn't it it's like that's very interesting that's your take it does not align with my values I know my self-worth and more for you for missing out on my two decades of experience it sounded a lot punchier when you read it back but I did mean it and that is how I felt and I think I've done you know a lot of a lot of growing up and sort of self-inquiry over the last few years and I mm. think I am enjoying being a woman in my 40s amongst women who are calling time on being told how we should feel or being mm -hmm. silenced in some way be that by our silence by our own insecurities or what culture has told us is acceptable for us I, I like being in the rebellious midlifers who were just saying enough is enough and I don't know if that's midlife rage or or perimenopausal I don't know or if it's just not being silenced anymore I think it uh, yeah for my journey and things that have happened to me I've just decided I want to live a more authentic life mm. and I think that comes from staying closer to your values um and also realize it's the people pleaser as well I think that's very closely tied to a lot of women's oh. 
narratives that they tell about themselves and they tell to themselves. Uh, and I think when, when you've lived, you know, sort of decades trying to make everybody happy and then realizing it's not made you happy. And I think that pathway is playing out in other ways in that we were told that, you know, what success might look like. And then we've got there and it doesn't feel very fulfilling or very successful. So I think having followed the rule book and been, you know, very compliant and very appropriate and it not really, not really getting a life I love in return. Yeah. I think maybe I've got a bit more, I don't know. It's, it doesn't feel reckless. It feels just more truthful in, in, yeah, in, in what my standards are and what my boundaries are. Yeah, that definition of success is particularly an interesting one. It's it's coming up in so many conversations I'm having about how how do you at what point do you get to where you are and say, do you know what? That's enough actually. I'm quite happy with that. Don't need to keep plowing up the career ladder. Don't need to keep earning more money. You know, obviously to pay the bills. I mean, sort of aspiring to to bring in more. Don't need to do that. Don't need to do. I'm actually at a place where I'm feeling comfortable and holy crap yes to that midlife awakening which is definitely a, a term I'm I'm loving so something so liberating about discovering that it's okay not to care as much about what other people think and to decide what it is that you love about your life and what you want to grasp and go for I think it's just it's liberating it's really liberating. I think maybe we spend half our life picking things up um, and labels, and then we spend the other half putting them down. Shedding them. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Let's talk. You you alluded a little bit to um, your your background, and I know that at the moment you're currently working hard to give back to the Women's Aid Federation of England um, through both your energy healing and running PR boot camps. Tell us a little bit about why that charity means so much to you. So Women's Aid is a charity that helped me. Um, I was in a relationship where I lost my sense of self and I I didn't have a voice. And it was quite uh, a kind of foggy <laughs> chapter. And I was looking for um, help and I went to several agencies, but it was all such a muddle. I I ended up getting very frustrated or very anguished in in just the overwhelm of, mm. of what my life was like then. And I was single mum to, to my um, eldest twins from when they were five months to five years. And I kept trying to step forward in my life and... I felt like I was just walking to the end of a of a leash. I kind of just felt very stuck and very trapped uh, in, in a dynamic that was very unhealthy and made me very unhappy. And I couldn't get out on my own. So I went to my local women's aid and they they gave me my life back. They told me what was going on. They... Um, and, and in that, and even now in talking about it, I almost, I didn't need to struggle anymore because it, it was almost like they took from me what I couldn't articulate and said, this, this is what it is. Yeah. And there was such a relief immediately 
in somebody telling me what was happening when I was so lost I couldn't articulate it myself and in some ways it wasn't that awful and it wasn't that bad but I still just felt utterly trapped by it um so women's aid they they picked me up and built me up and set me on a different path Mm. um and they do absolutely phenomenal work and just how liberating but also when people that I don't know what it is it's like the therapy I suppose when somebody sees you and hears you without judgment and then when they've got the skill and experience to articulate something that you know is in you but you you can't tell and we've we've talked about stories and narratives a lot and sometimes you do need the clarity of somebody else to 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 say this is what's happening yeah Um, so they they helped get my twins and I um a council flat and and I was only there very briefly um but it was absolutely crucial really to mm-hmm. to my just that pause just having some help just having someone come in and say this is what's going on and and you know yeah they helped in a lot of ways but what I want to do now that my life has changed a lot for the better in, in the sort of years since is I want mm-hmm. to pay it forward um and I have rented a little space near where I live now and I want to offer some of what I needed back then to other women who may need it now. So awesome. I have offered the invitation to Women's Aid that they can point people to me who may uh, like to, ha- if they have a, a career or a job idea or a business idea, I'm offering PR boot camps um, free of charge to those women just because I really want to give them a sense of empowerment over their future. Um, and also offer energy healing to help them reconnect with themselves so just a space where women can come and just think about the container that is them physically and and their life Um, so yeah that hasn't happened yet but that's what's being set up and that's my intention with this space because what they did for me was just so life-changing um and yeah you can hear I don't you know in all the yeah I I I struggled to articulate really how impactful that was for me um but I would really like to thank them and curate a space for other women where if they're maybe at a, a pivot or a crossroads in their life where they feel that they've got some a voice where they can really sort of uh, reconnect with themselves physically and then dream dream a new life in it's amazing what I hear really strongly from your experience there is about the power of having someone else just say it's it's okay you're not alone we've got you we're holding you we can we can help and and we're not so good sometimes at asking for help I don't think and it can make all the difference in the world when someone even even just sometimes the offer of how it's that thing when you know when you're you're a little bit wobbly and you're fine but if someone says something nice to you that's the thing that pushes you over the edge and there is that thing about just the offer of help sometimes is enough to help reground yourself recenter yourself and know that 
there are options available. And it sounds like that was such a pivotal thing and a pivotal moment for you. Yeah, they are absolutely fantastic. And they're so generous in in what in what they do and, and what they give um so yeah I, I yeah paying it forward I think is what I want to do and the energy work a big part of everybody's recovery I suppose but mine particularly is is love mm. and I think it's feeling worthy of love mm-hmm. and and so for me that self-inquiry was massively impacted by time spent with some indigenous tribes, which is an unlikely story for somebody currently sat in a room in Wiltshire. But um, so but tell it, us more about that, because that led to another path, didn't it? And of course, it's got you where you are with your energy healing. But tell us a little bit about that then. So my through my my husband had spent time with a tribe. Um, they're from the Brazilian Amazon and they're called the Hunicoin. And they are sort of sharing the swan song of the forest really and they're coming out and sharing their wisdom teachings and traditions and to sit with them in ceremony which goes from sunrise sunset to sunrise and Mm. and it's just you know it's very and it's the feathers and the sage and the smudge and the fire and and you just you know it's interesting because we're talking about careers and juggling and job titles but actually we're also talking about how within that you find your sense of self and identity and values mm-hmm. and it's very difficult I think in our culture to find a life that is meaningful as well as sort of performative in terms of the exchanges that we need to pay the bills and do all, the, all that stuff yeah. so these traditions um there's a phrase they they use called shadow work which is basically about sitting with the areas of yourself that are uncomfortable or your trauma and I'm not a therapist so I'm not sort of qualified to guide people through it but my experience of it is essentially shadows disappear only when you put light on them Mm. so it's like when you're you know you have to summon up the bravery to look under your bed (laughs) to check (laughs) with there and and it's like that with a bit of yourself that maybe is an insecurity or something that happened to you and you don't really want to look at it and and it's uncomfortable but only when you put light or love or self-inquiry into that that is the only way you can work through it and kind of reclaim your power and ownership over it and that may be a small thing or a big thing um and I think for me yeah those wisdom teachings and and it's being reconnected with nature and some kind of spiritual dimension to life and I think a lot of people there are a lot of conversations maybe it's just my echo chamber where a lot of the reasons people are feeling shut down closed off or isolated is because we've lost our connection to the earth beneath our feet and the sky above us and and whatever faith spiritual well-being wellness practice you know it could be just you know sort of mindfulness and journaling or it could be you know any I think there is a spectrum opening up because more people are opening up I mean it's been there forever but people are are more willing to talk about their sort of spiritual seeking as well Mm. as their corporate aspirations I think Mm. um so yes through it's all sort of tangled up isn't it my my story but in learning to 
love myself and find a, a life worth living the most uncomfortable bit for me was in starting with self-love because only when that piece is there yeah. do you and you really weave in all the other things upon it that that's the kind of foundation so yes you're right that led to um another project or a little parable that i that i wrote uh, which I think three people are reviewed on Amazon or something. So it's not, but it was just a story. That doesn't mean that just three people have read it. <laughs> three people liked it. So, uh, but it was a, it's it just a, a little parable, um, you know, sort of age nine to 99, I suppose. And I think you said you liked the title, which yes. is The, the Land, Land of Belching Bog. Is so this that actually the, that came from a really really challenging ceremony or meditation night where I was sat in my shadows I suppose I was sat in a place of real kind of all the self-loathing narratives and all the really uncomfortable I, did, I, I just felt very far from I felt quite disconnected and and as I guess I had to live my I sort of practice what you preach what I had to really do was not run from that so in the meditation and I'm really bad at meditating I find that I, I'm not very good at sitting quietly and the more I try the the noisier the mind chatter gets but actually this night just because of the ritual and and the way you know you had to keep going till sunrise yeah. I sat with myself long enough to recognize that the only person who could kind of rekindle a sense of self-belief was me but that meant loving myself enough to realize I was worth it um so the story the land of belching bog is is just when you feel to any degree really just stuck in a place far from love or far you know it's about how if you rekindle your heart what floats you know your boat what sort of what you love doing your joy then you reignite your authenticity and passion and then you can kind of be your own light out of the darkness I suppose it's you know it's very you know it's simple and profound I'm gonna I'm gonna have to order a copy Katie because that that resonates so strongly with what I try and do through quiet the hive for women but I just it it sounds like it was such a monumental experience for you and and people like when you when you use the term self-love for some people that feels a bit icky and a bit new agey and a bit woo-woo and a bit meh but actually fundamentally you have to believe that you are worthy of love of joy of the good things that are out there you have to notice and look for them and the only way you can do that is by kind of accepting your own foibles, your own shadow sides, I guess, sitting with who you are and realizing that actually you are perfect in your imperfections. You know, we all have these flaws and these things that we could get rid of and the bits we're a bit embarrassed about ourselves and and actually to appreciate yourself as a whole person. And I wonder whether that connects back to what we were saying earlier about that kind of midlife awakening and that sudden sort of oh, actually, a weight is lifted because I, I just want to worry about what I think about me and am, am I proud of me? Am I, do I love me? And th that should be enough. Everything else will come, just mm -hmm. get sort of to grips with that. So it's really interesting, I think, that, yeah, must have been such a powerful experience. 
it it was a real gift and I think those yeah I was I was hugely fortunate to have sat with with those people and shared those traditions um but you see I, I think in the sort of ripple effect of people I love the phrase glimmer not just if you heard this so not a trigger is a little thing that annoys you and a glimmer is a little thing that sparks joy and I think it's it, you know but it takes discipline, which it, which feels like a contradiction to be disciplined and structured about seeking joy. But I think until it becomes habit, you know, you've got these sort of neural pathways, which you have to kind of, you know, that I fake it till you make it, you know, whatever you tell yourself, you believe yeah. you have to override, you know, half a lifetime's worth of stories, which you, which were never true, probably. Yeah. Yeah. And write the one that you want. Yeah. And and the brain is an incredible, incredible thing, but it is very gullible. It will believe what you tell it. So if you feed it all the negative crap about how rubbish you are, that's what you will believe. If you feed it the stuff that is true about how you are worthy of love and how you are pretty blooming incredible, then you start to become comfortable with thinking that that is actually a possible reality. Definitely. Oh, it's lovely. I love it. Um, so again, well, I don't know how the time goes on these things. I, I, I love it. I will um just uh recap a story that I told you before we press record, which was about um I was a guest on a podcast yesterday recording that and and it was fab and it's out on the 22nd of November, so I will definitely put it all over, over the socials. But the interviewer was asking me, you know, oh, well, how do you find the women for your podcast and how do you choose them? And and I told her that I just like to pick women who I want to hang out with for an hour and get to know them better. And Katie, you have definitely been a good choice. The time has just whizzed by. But before I let you go, I am going to ask you the question that I ask all my guests, which is, what advice would you give your 21-year-old self? And it's probably not going to come as a surprise, given where our conversation has sort of <laughs> woven itself to. But it would be to love myself more and set my boundaries accordingly. Yeah. And I think all of the <laughs> issues and bumps and challenges that I'm trying to sort of undo and reset, they have, they are the direct result of having no boundaries and sort of, you know, not ever, you know, not putting myself first or, you know, it's being brave enough to, mm live as who you are and the sooner you figure that out the less undoing you have to do amazing that's such good advice for all of us are you better at boundaries now do you think <laughs> better than I was but I'm good. still you know I've not finished if if I've given the impression I've you know cracked self-love and my boundaries are always intact that would be a complete fabrication so I'm I'm aware that it needs awareness I think that's where I've got to. <laughs> we are all a work in progress and as I said we are perfect in our imperfections and we'll go with that Katie so um Katie if people are really interested in what you've said and want to hang out with you a bit more like I'm lucky enough to do so where would they find you what's a good place to come and hang out with you a really good question and I'm just checking that I get it right in case anyone wants to so I'm on I'm Katie Ann Walton on Instagram um and it would be really lovely to to yeah to to find some some women and build a tribe there um lovely. but thank you Jane it's been absolutely lovely to 
spend a morning chatting. That was the quickest hour ever. I think. I know it whizzes by, right? I I get to the end, it's like. Oh. I've got so many more questions I want to ask. So I will also make sure that in the show notes, we have links to where we can buy Land of Belch and Bog um, and also to the Women's Aid um, charity link as well. So people can go and find out more about their work, um, benefit from that work, or maybe give of their own time and, and volunteering to that. And yeah, find Katie on Katie Ann Walton um, over on Instagram or go and listen to what she says on LinkedIn. That's always a good place to hang out and get some insights. As well. <laughs> Thank you so much, Katie. I really appreciate your time today. Oh, it's been gorgeous. Thank you, Jane. <laughs> well, what did you think? I loved that conversation. The hour really did fly by. Um, Katie's insights around working like you don't have children and having children like you don't work are really interesting and I have been reflecting recently on a conversation actually the podcast I mentioned in our main conversation about the difference it has been made being able to be present for my boys. I'm very very lucky and very appreciative that I'm able to do that. Anyway I hope that has sparked some thought for you if you um, need to reach out to Women's Aid, then Katie would highly recommend them um, and go and find out more about their work in the show notes. Until next time, take good care. If you enjoyed this podcast from Inside the Hive by Quiet the Hive, then please leave us a five-star rating or drop us any comments in the box below. We'd love to hear your thoughts. Any comments or ratings you give us all help other people who would benefit from the content to find us. Thanks so much.